0: Y'all turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, right at the end of that chapter. We all know this story, or this account rather, I'm going to have to be trying to get used to my new pulpit here. Um, (laughs) Luke chapter 10, and let's just pick up verse uh, 38, this is a very familiar passage, but this is what God has put on the heart for us this morning. Lord, give us ears to hear. It says, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he, that's the Lord, entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she come help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You've all heard that passage before. You've all probably heard lessons and sermons on it before. And so I'm probably not going to tell you anything new today. This is just what the Lord put on my heart. But it says in verse 38, there was a certain village and there was a certain woman. But what what makes this account uh, significant is that the Lord was there, amen? certain village and a certain woman, but what was going on that makes us take note of it, and that the Holy Ghost wrote it in Scripture for us, is that the Lord Jesus Christ was present. He was there. And uh, there's one thing, Jesus says, that's needful. There's one thing that's necessary. That's actually what that... That word means there's one thing that's a requirement. Is if you look that word up, and it's needful. And Mary in this story, in this account, she chose that. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, this morning. There's a lot of things in our Christian life as believers. We're already born again, but there's a lot of things that, that seem uh, significant. That seem that should be the things that we should follow after. <clears throat> that that seem uh, appropriate that we should esteem and put value on, but it says right here there's one thing that's needful. There's one thing that's needful for for believers that are true followers of Christ to follow after, and we need to be very careful not to miss that. Okay, not to miss that. We need to be reminded of it. Sherry and I were just talking a minute ago that you know she goes I, I need to pray for a photographic. Uh, Memory, you know, I can just read all this and remember it, and I would like to have that too. And some people have that gift, but I think it's God's purpose and plan for us to uh, be daily feasting upon His Word. In other words, we do forget uh, a lot of things, we don't really forget them, but we we, they kind of slip away, I guess, from from our uh, prominence, you know, in our thoughts to where. Uh, something will stir us up and we'll get hold of it again some kind of spiritual truth. And this is one of those things, like I said, that you've heard before. And Mary chose this. And we have to be conscious, I believe. I think there's conscious efforts and conscious choices. I'm not talking about simply trying to do something in a, in a, out of your flesh or in a, just out of your fleshful uh, abilities. But spiritually speaking, there are things that God wants us to be aware of. He wants us to be careful not to miss, and I think oftentimes in life, y'all, we pursue after the good. And I'm talking about Christians, okay. Let's talk. Assume that I'm talking to born again people, that we will pursue after the good, but not the best. We'll pursue after something that's good and that's even Christ-like and godly and things that God's Word talks us to, to tells us to do, but we might fail to follow after the absolute best, okay, and. And God wants us to not miss that, to follow after the best. We might fill our lives seeking after good things and neglect, uh, really, the priority of following after the best things, the best thing of all, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, he, and we have to be, uh, what what God's Word says is needful, okay? And that is simply this, in this passage, there was two things that Mary did. She sat at the feet of Jesus, okay, so she was spending time with the Lord, just no other thing going on. Just her and the Lord. And she heard his word. That's what it says. Mary, verse 39. Uh, Mary, She had a sister called Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. One little sentence. Two things she did. And, and then the Lord commends her later in this passage and says she's chosen the better part. This is a better thing. Okay? I want you to turn with me, if you would, and look in your Bibles. We'll come back to this. But turn to Mark. Chapter 3, verse 13. Now in this passage we see where Jesus is calling his disciples. Mark 3, 13 through 15 is what we're going to read. And we read reading some of the other other Gospels, okay? where, Where it kind of gives a similar account that the Lord had prayed all night long. Everybody else is sleeping, Jesus is praying. Okay? And when the morning came, this is kind of what we pick up. And he goeth up into a mountain, and called unto him, Mark 3.13, called unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve, this is twelve disciples, okay, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sickness, and to cast out devils. So we see this account. The Lord chose 12 men, but He chose them for a purpose. He chose them for a very specific purpose. And, and if we were thinking about it, we would start maybe jumping the gun and think, we well, He chose because He wanted 12 representatives. He wanted 12 ambassadors. And He did. But before that, and this to me is the heart of the whole matter, it says He chose 12 from the beginning for a purpose. He chose 12 that they might be with him. It says in verse 14. Okay. He ordained 12 that they should be with him. That was his desire. That was his purpose. In having these people with him. The 12 that he chose. Uh, we would say. Well, he chose them to testify. He chose them to do miracles. He chose them to cast out devils. He did do that. But above all that. First and foremost. He chose 12 men. That they might be with him. And that is really when you look all the way back to the Garden of Eden and you see where the first temptation came and the first sin with Eve and then Adam in the garden. It was a rebellion against God. It was huge. It's passed down to all of us. But that evening, in the cool of the day, as the Lord would come down to fellowship with Adam, he came down that day after they had sinned. And it says that Adam and Eve were afraid and they heard the voice of God and they were hiding themselves in the garden. And Adam comes, and, he's, and the Lord comes down, and He says, Adam, where are you? And it, it showed a significant, there was something different. There was a break. There was a break in the communion. There was a break in the fellowship. And that's what the Lord was concerned about. That's why God, in Genesis 3, way back before the law, way back before any of this, He promised a Redeemer. He promised a Savior who would come and curse the serpent under His heel. And because he wants men to be with him. Emmanuel, God with us. It's all about a relationship with the Lord. The other stuff comes out of that. The other stuff is a fruit or a product of that. It's not insignificant. It's not unimportant. It's very important. But it, it comes out of a relationship with the Lord. And so we see it there in the garden that the God is wanting to uh, promise a redeemer who would reconcile sinful men unto God. Romans chapter 5, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're reconciled unto God through the blood of His cross, through the blood of Jesus that was shed. What has He done? He's forgiven us. Amen. He's made us new in Christ. Amen. But one of the other things He's done, He's reconciled men unto God. Why? Because He loves us. God so loved the world. It's a simple truth. It's a basic truth. But... Before these 12 men could run out and serve God, they needed to be with Him. And all the while, while they were would be serving God in their lives, they needed to be with Him. After, after He was taken away, they still needed fellowship with the Lord through the community of the Holy Ghost. That's the foundation. We're talking about the foundations in Sunday school. <clears throat> and God desires to be with His people. And we ought to desire to be with Him. And that needs to be our priority above all. And that's why Paul said, I've learned to be content wherever I'm at. It wasn't about being in prison or being uh, maybe some nice time in his life where things were going really well and everybody was getting saved and he had plenty of money and plenty of food in a comfortable house and a comfortable bed. Or then he's beat with open sores and put in prison, him and and, uh, Silas, you know, at midnight in prison. It didn't matter because the key was that the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that personal walk with God that could never be taken away. And that's the key to it. And so, any true ministry that you and I have, and I pray we all ministers of the Lord, from the youngest child in here to the oldest adult, we're all ministers of the Lord. In some capacity, and pray in our lives, in the future will be more, used more in that way. But any ministry is going to flow out of our personal, intimate, consistent walk with God okay, it just will, it can't come any other way, if it just comes from a university or a seminary and I'm not knocking those things or, or anything, a Bible school whatever it may be, then it's just going to go as far as that goes but the, the relationship with the Lord then it, it can all flow out of that there's no limit to what the Lord could do through those lives, and he said in these signs you follow them that believe in my name they're going to cast out devils, right they're going to take up service, they're going to Lay hands of the sick, they'll recover. They'll speak with other tongues. And uh, it's all going to flow out of our relationship with Him. In John chapter 15, where Jesus is talking about being the true vine and we're the branches. Grafted in the vine. He says, uh, later in that passage, he says, if, if, it, if a man believe in me, abides in me, and my words abide in him, in verse 7. If any man abides in me, and my words abide, that means dwell or stay, in him, He will ask what he will, and it shall be done unto him. He's talking about that relationship and that abiding and staying there. You stay there when it's going great. You stay there when it's not going great. You stay there when you're going on a mission trip and when you just got back from a mission trip. When it's just a day as usual and you're going off to Southeastern or whatever, get in the car. It's It's just an abiding, and the Lord is trying to teach us that. He's trying to teach us that to to abide there. And that nothing will take the place of that. Everything we do for the Lord is going to come out of our consistent, intimate communion with the Lord. It will all come from that. Okay? It all flows out of that. Uh, It's going to be as we spend time in His Word. Attentively listening to it and obeying what He tells us to in His Word. And y'all, there's not a substitute for that. Have you ever tried, have you ever tried, I'm not saying intentionally tried, but have you ever found yourself trying to do for God anything, but you haven't had that intimate time with Him regularly? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, you can go through the motions for a long time. I've venture to say a lot of pastors and a lot of churches and Sunday school teachers around this country... Have probably put it on autopilot and gone through the motions. I can read over this thing Sunday morning five minutes before Sunday school, and you know teach the class, and everything's just kind of uh, routine. It's a machine, just cranking out the next, the next thing. But it, it doesn't work. There's not a substitute. In other words, you can't find. Well, I want to have real ministry for the Lord. I want to have a real power in the Lord. I want to be a soul winner for the Lord. I want to understand the deep things of God. I want to teach His Word. Uh, I want people to see Jesus in me. Whatever it may be. And, and we think we can do do that without spending that relationship with the Lord. That personal time. It's not going to come. It's not going to be you can manufacture something and soak it out. But for it to be legitimate and real it's going to all come from that intimacy with the Lord and there's not there's not a uh, substitute for that. Okay? That simply is God's plan. That's the way He wants it to be. That's the way He's desired for it to be. Okay? And He's restored us in that right relationship. Martha, when you look at the story, and you can turn back here to Luke chapter 10. I know you've heard this before. Again, I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard before. But Martha in this passage of scripture she is not in sin this is not nor do I see the Lord addressing her as though she's in sin I don't believe she's in sin I don't believe Martha in this account where she's you know busy serving that she's not in sin she's not in uh, in rebellion she's not in immorality she's not despising the Lord and the things of God I don't even think she would be uh, indifferent to the things of God she was ministering unto the Lord, and she was ministering to the other people who were with the Lord in the house. That's an admirable admirable thing. That's a good thing. But this is the whole uh, point of this message. It wasn't sin as though she was out in some, you know, like the, uh, the woman caught in adultery, okay, go and sin no more. This wasn't like that. This was a woman who was doing something good, but at that moment there was something far better. That she could have and should have been doing. And the Lord wanted to teach us that through this account. The Holy Spirit gave us this for a reason. So she was not, uh, as I said, in sin. She was ministering to the Lord and to to the people that were there. okay. But there was something far greater that she could have been doing. And and we know what it is. We know from, from the scripture there was a best thing... And she missed it. Let's just be honest. She missed it. She didn't see it. She was even saying, Jesus, can you get my lazy sister up and get her to help me? I'm doing all this myself. I can see her just sweating. It was work. It's was work in our day. Get a Thanksgiving dinner ready, ready or something. But in that day, with even the less of the modern things that we have, it must have been very difficult. And so she probably was literally working her tail off, you know and sweating and going back and forth and she's looking and probably every time she'd walk by she'd get mad because Mary's there, you know, just sitting there at the feet of Jesus apparently oblivious to what Martha's plight and all the work that she had and responsibility that she had and so she just kind of bypasses Mary and Martha goes straight to Jesus and says, get her to help me she'll listen to you, get her to come and help me and the Lord began to deal with her gently as He does deal with us gently. There's times He's got to smack us upside the back of the head for us to get something. And there's times if we're listening, you know, He can just gently show us, Randy, this is wrong. This is wrong. You're, you missed it on this. You thought you were right and you were wrong on this. And I want to teach you and I want to show you. The Holy Spirit can do that, okay? And I don't at all see him just blasting uh, Martha, but she missed it, and the Lord gently corrected her and taught her. And I would think she probably never forgot this lesson after the Lord taught her. Amen? Those are the ones that, that we remember. But the Bible says that Martha was cumbered about, at least in King James. I don't know if you have a different translation. Um, Martha was cumbered about much serving. And so I looked up this word. It means to drag all around. And I can just picture that. To just drag all around. Like, like to me, it's carrying excess baggage, it's carrying excess weight. It means to drag all around or to be, to distract with care. So now picture Martha. She's distracted. She's distracted. The, uh, her, her job that she's doing of serving everybody has distracted her. Is kept her eyes off of what was most important. She's dragging this weight all around. It was actually a hindrance. We say it was kind She was getting cold water for everybody, she's fixing bread and she's cleaning the table and doing all this, but there was something better at this moment. She was cumbered about much serving. That means to drag all around, uh, to distract with care. So here's Martha, and her being cumbered with and distracted actually kept her from the best thing that was there, and the Lord was kind of like trying to snap her out of it, time out, I want you to see what's going on here, and so she was missing it, it resulted her, what was the result of this, what what was Martha's attitude right now during all this, she's busy working, it's a good thing, an admirable thing, but what was her attitude, would you say at that moment she had peace, no, she was, she was aggravated, She was agitated. Jesus even said in verse 41, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful. That means anxious and agitated. (coughs) You're anxious and agitated. You're careful and troubled about many things. Right now, this is going to keep, not heaped in sin, okay? But you're careful, you're agitated, you're anxious about a lot of things. Right now, he says many things. So that, her her being distracted and comforted about much serving resulted in her being anxious and troubled and agitated in her mind, in her heart, in her spirit. And I just want to ask y'all in your lives, in your daily lives, in your daily walk with God, have you been there before? Yes. Okay, I have too. And, And I'll even say this for my own family. I know my boys have grown, but uh, but still when we can, as regularly as we can, uh, every day, we'll grab each other and say, let's pray together for a few minutes. Could be five minutes, could be ten minutes, could be fifteen, and we read our Bible or something. But we still do that. And some, some days will get away from us, and all of a sudden, uh, after a day or two or three, and, and we're getting a little cranky with each other or I'm getting short with D or, or things are you know just cranky and I and I'll realize maybe somebody else or in the family will realize you know last two or three days we haven't really prayed together it seems like they're unrelated like my attitude right here in a prayer time yesterday they they have nothing to do with each other but they do they do it makes a difference y'all it makes or maybe your own personal time with the lord you've been rushed and you're not praying like you should and everything's going bad or you're just in a foul attitude in traffic. Well traffic was the same yesterday, be the same tomorrow, you know what I mean? Why is it why am I so aggravated today? Agitated today? Don't talk to me. I don't you know just everything's just a bother. And I think it comes a lot of times because of that. We don't put two and two together. We think they're unrelated. I just had a bad day. But it could be that we're not we're not spending that intimacy with the Lord regularly and being filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine when it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a command, and that's a daily lifestyle. That's not every now and then. I think we're to daily be filled with the Spirit. And we know it. We lift our hands and we say, Lord, we're already baptized in the Holy Ghost. That happens once. But we're praying for a filling in the in the Holy Spirit. We're praying that our minds would be stayed on the Lord. We're praying that He would bring peace to our hearts and settle us because the cares of this life come. She was careful and was agitated and aggravated and troubled about many things. And the things in this life, it does just step, step one foot out the door and the stress of life is there to greet you, right? The busyness. You you went out and your tire was flat, you know, or you whatever. Something's happening. Or you turn on the news and, and instantly it's just... <clears throat> the, the signs of the times, the darkness, and everything is just coming against you to, <clears throat> to and you and me to bring us down. And and it's not uh, simple things. It's not that we went on off into drunkenness, okay, or went off into something like this. It's just that we, we get like Martha, I think, a lot of times, and we get agitated. We get caught up in the, in the cares of life, and that's li- literally what it means. She was she was distracted with care. Okay? Distracted with care. I've done that before. So it wasn't just that she was busy serving. It's that she was busy serving and in so doing she missed the more important, the best. There is a best to it all. Okay? She was occupied with the good but she wasn't occupied with the best and there's not a substitute for the best. And when that's missed, everything's going to be out of order. Okay? What, what do we lack? In other words, what What do we suffer if we're not having that time sitting at Jesus' feet, so to speak, regularly? I don't think for a believer, I'm not talking about we suffer loss of our salvation. I don't believe that. But we do suffer the loss of some things that are significant. I would suffer a loss of peace that comes from the Lord. Because Jesus said, my peace I give unto thee. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth giveth that unto thee, let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid, okay he tells us that, his peace he gives, he leaves it with us, and it is so that we wouldn't be troubled or afraid if I don't have that, I still belong to Jesus, I'm still saved, I'm still going through life, but I'm not having the experience in that peace, right Isaiah 26 3 and 4, that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed that's a dwelling place perfect peace. That he'll keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. How many times in a day do you have to, to do that, so to speak, to set your mind on the Lord? One time, does that do it? For, for me, it's many times. During any one given day. Um, with all this that's been going on in our lives and with the church and so forth, uh, D and I have been Praying with people and talking to people and meeting with people with different concerns and that kind of thing. And every, we might be meeting with somebody and right way through meeting with somebody, we'll meet with somebody else. But every time, it's like I need Jesus just as much for this 10th meeting as I did for the first meeting. I can't just say, we got this now. We know what to say. We know what they're going to say. Every time I need the Lord. Because every person is different. Every situation is different. I'm not all that I think I am. I need the Lord. I, I don't just have it under control. I need the Lord to step in this pulpit, to open up a Sunday school book, whatever it may be, to to witness to somebody. I need the Lord at that moment as much as I ever did before. I've never come to a point where I need Him any less. And neither do you, okay? He wants us. That's why He says, give us this day our daily bread as part of the, the Lord's prayer that we read. And there's not a substitute for that. So if I don't have that time with the Lord, I'm going to suffer peace that He wants to give me. We could probably make a long list. I'm not going to make a long list. I just had a couple. The other thing I think would suffer would be a lack of the power to really walk this life. Victory over sin. Victory over the attacks of the devil. uh, Victory over discouragement. Victory over depression. In other words, to really walk this life in power... The Lord is that power. You know, we don't just go recharge like someplace, uh, uh, one of these car, battery operated cars would charge up and they got these little stations where they could plug up. But it's the Lord. That is, it's the Lord. It's us staying with Him. And, and spend that time with Him. These, it's as these disciples came and stayed with the Lord, remember they, they would eat with Him. They wanted to know where he slept. And so he says, come and see. Come and see where else I'm staying. You know what I mean? Come and see what my life's like. They watched him pray. They watched him minister to people. They watched how he did with the little children. You know, right, the disciples were saying, get him out of here. That's a bother. The Lord said, no, suffer the little children coming to come unto me. They watched him. They watched him have compassion on people. Because they were like a bunch of sheep scattered with no shepherd. Or they were hungry and they were beginning to faint. If we send them away, they're going to faint. By the wayside. So, what is he going to do? He has compassion on them. He goes to his father and blesses the food and multiplies it. They were with him and they saw how he was. And the Bible says in 1st John 4 17, For as he is, so are we in this world. That's as we walk with him and his spirit lives in us and through us. And so it says, As the disciples came and stayed with him, then they, he gave them power says He gave them power over unclean spirits. He gave them power to heal all manner of sicknesses and sent them forth to preach this gospel. He empowered them to do that. It was as they came and as they stayed and dwelt with Him and lived with Him that, that He was able to uh, enable them and equip them to go out. Okay. Uh, and the other thing, the last thing I think we would lack if we're not spending that time with the Lord is going to be direction. Or guidance from the Lord. Again, you can be a Christian and still be wondering. I think this is right. I think this is what I should do. I can say, I know from talking to many of y'all in this room, with all this, this, again, the situation going on uh, recently and and what's brought us here this morning. For a lot of y'all, maybe all of you, it was as you got away with the Lord, He said, I'm praying. Like I never have before. I'm fasting. I'm not watching TV at night like I was. I'm getting away with the Lord. And I'm praying and I'm fasting. And I'm just setting my mind to the Lord. Let me ask you this. Did God speak to you? Did He guide you? Yes, He did. He leads us and guides us. Some over a short period of time. Some over a longer period of time. But the the Bible says uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He guides us. The Bible says in John 10, you don't have to turn there, but it says he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. That is going to come by spending time with the shepherd where we begin to discern and recognize very clearly and very distinctly this is the voice of Jesus. This is the Holy Ghost. This is the Lord. Other people, other Christian people might say you're crazy. They might say the total opposite. 108 degrees different. And they love Jesus too, okay? They're Christians. We're going to hear all kinds of different voices. We need to hear from God. We need to hear from the Lord. There is not a substitute for that. I would put that at the top of the list. You know, has anybody studied that book, Experiencing God? You know, the Henry Blackity book. It's a wonderful book, and I think one of the very first chapter, one of the very first comments that he makes, and it's just always stuck with me. He says, if we, if we can't hear from God, we're in trouble. A fair And we're in trouble right off the bat. You need to be able to hear from God yourself. In other words, Maddie needs to be able to hear from the Lord. It's wonderful that God could show her mom something or tell her. That God gives us moms and dads that are Christians to help us. But we also individually need to be able to hear from the Lord. You have to. Abraham, when Moses saw the burning bush and he turned aside, God began to speak. And Moses even said, who shall I say sent me? I am that I am. And he spoke in that beginning relationship. Like a personal relationship. He recognized the voice of God. He knew it. And so that taking time with the Lord like that. uh, And a lot of times like Martha. We may busy ourselves to accomplish a lot. And yet we could be running around. Totally missing what the Lord has for us. He's patient though. He's kind. He'll reel us back in if we're letting. And he'll teach us a lesson like he taught Martha. And kind of get us quieted. Get us settled down. Just sit still here. You don't have a clue what I want you to do. You're running around trying to do for me, but you haven't sat here with me. You're trying to do it, but you're finding that you're, you're facing a lot of frustration. You're facing a lot of disappointment. Unfruitfulness, maybe, in your ministry. You know, And a lot of that is based upon we haven't sat at the feet of Jesus and heard His word that's where it all has to start. I know it's a very simple truth, but we find ourselves frustrated and, not, and fruitful, not because of lack of effort of trying, but because of lack of, uh, of sitting at the feet of Jesus and waiting upon the Lord. We know the Bible says that uh, you know, uh, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen my heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That's where the strength's going to come from. He's going to strengthen your heart. We might, and you know what a lot of people do today a lot of church people that we know well, as soon as they have a problem or a big disappointment in their life or even a little one they run to another person they've got another person like as their prayer partner nothing wrong with a prayer partner but their first instinct is to run to their pastor or to a group or to a, a person or send out a text and I think God I know the Lord would have that first response to be, No, you get with me I can handle that for you. Thank God for godly people in our lives. Iron does sharpen iron, okay? And the Lord wants to do that. But that's not a substitute. Uh, Alberto or Stephen in my life are not a substitute for the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to me. Mm-hmm. That's what has to be there. Can you imagine if all of us in this room were really strong like that? Not just like we you know, all have to be clandemic or something, but strong in our own walk with the Lord where we should be at this point in our lives we yes I do know God I recognize his voice, I hear from him when I'm troubled I turn to him that's my first thing and we're walking like that how God would keep us and protect us and then God might show Buck something that's very helpful to me because Buck's been spending time maybe praying for me with the Lord and he comes to me and can help me with that rather than my first instinct as soon as something I get a bad call of, you know, something bad. Or somebody's believed a lie about me or gossiped about me. And my person, D, can you believe so-and-so said such-and-such? Instead of being with the Lord and saying, God, i just forgive them. i give them to you. You'll set it straight one day. At some point, the truth's going to be known. You know? Thank you, God. I can't fix it. He might show me something to do to help fix it. He might not. You can handle it. But that being our first... Uh, instinct or reaction to be with the Lord. It's just our dwelling place like that. Uh, the Bible says, they that wait on the Lord, you know, in Isaiah 40, shall renew their strength, they'll mount up with wings as eagles, they'll run and not grow weary, they'll walk and not faint. These are things, not just our salvation, but things in our Christianity that would suffer or that we're lacking if we're not spending that time at the feet of Jesus. And uh, I know uh, God, through that time with Him, brings great clarity, great clarity, to, to the, your life, and to your situation. It's when we sit at the feet of the Lord, He begins to show us our vision, or, or uh, a ministry, or something about our lives. It really, that's where it comes. It doesn't come from a conference you run off to. God can use all those things, but they don't substitute for this. Uh, all the good things, y'all, And He has called us to be active. Y'all understand this is not a sermon that advocating us to be lazy or like, you know, just put our Christianity in neutral and we never do anything for God. It just all flows out of our walk with God, though. It's going to flow from that. And, uh, that's, is a product of that, as I said. And let's look at a couple more scriptures here, Will. as we bring this to a close, but in Luke chapter 11, verse 27. 27 to 28. It came to pass, as he spake these things, Jesus is talking, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which gave which thou hast sucked. And he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. <laughs> he was kind of like, okay, I'm going to tell you what the real blessing is. This woman just talking and, you know, all excited about something, maybe caught up in in emotions, and she thinks she's going to say the right thing. It's like Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. This good we're here, God. We're going to build a tabernacle for Moses, Elijah, and you, uh, because he didn't know what to say. Well, I think a lot of times if we don't know what to say, we ought not say anything, right? Uh, So the cloud overtakes him, and the Lord says, No, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And all he saw was Jesus. That's kind of like to to me here. This lady's talking. She's all excited. Maybe he healed a lot of people and said a lot of wonderful things. And she says, oh, blessed is the womb that bear thee. ego go, go. Let me tell you who's blessed. Blessed are they that uh, hear my word and obey it. Hear the word of God and obey it. That's a blessed man. And that's what the Lord says. And he wants us to. And that's what Mary was doing, y'all. Two things that were mentioned, she sat at the feet of Jesus, and she heard his word. And that word here, it is the word that's typically used in the Bible, it means to you hear with the understanding. It's not just the point, and we're about to close, but it's not just the point of, of going to, to, to listen to a sermon and say, well, I did my duty for the day, or maybe put one on, you know, you're your listening to one on your phone or something. It's the point of hearing with understanding. Okay? Hearing with understanding. Let him, let him hear what the Spirit saith. That that's that little phrase was used seven times in the book of Revelation, when the Lord's dealing with the, the churches and so forth. Let him hear, and that means understand what the Spirit is saying. Jesus didn't say, for example, in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The first thing has to be our time with the Lord. Paul didn't say, uh, I forget those things that are behind and press towards the mark. He said, this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind. I always think about Paul's life. And and we would look at him and say how busy he was. And he was. And if we just started writing down all the things that God used Paul to do, it would have been amazing. Casting out devils and witnessing to people and starting churches and being beaten in prison and... uh, raising up pastors and disciples and writing letters to the churches and being martyred for the Lord. All those things he did, but Paul said, no, this one thing I did. He kept it simple. And I think that that's how, that's a lesson. That's what the Lord's teaching Mary and Martha, or teaching Martha in this thing. There's one thing that's the best thing. Mary's chosen, chosen that good part, okay? And, and to sit at the feet of Jesus and to be with them David said, one thing have I desire of the Lord. What's that? One thing have I desired, the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Is one thing, Is my relationship with Him. It's to be in His presence, it's to hear from Him, it's to see Him, it's to see His beauty, it's to see His glory, it's to be able to inquire of Him and have Him respond to me. And, you know, this is, this is where we need to be. This is where we need to be as Christians. This is where we need to be as a church body. And uh, sitting at the feet of of the Lord like Mary. And hearing his word. Again, it's not a criticism of Martha. It was a lesson. It was a life lesson that I said I bet she didn't forget. There's one thing. and And the Lord says, Mary has chosen that good part. In verse 42, we'll close with this. But one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. It's not going to be taken away from her. Why? Because God imparted it to her. The things that God speaks to you in your time alone with Him, the things that God speaks to you in your own life and your own walk with Him, are not going to be taken. Those aren't temporal. Those aren't temporary. Those aren't things that just slip through my hands and lost them. I've gone on vacations. I've saved up. We've planned for two years for some trips, you know, I'm really excited. I want to go to uh, Northern California. I want to see the Golden Gate Bridge. I want to go to Yosemite. I want to go to Whitewater Rapton, I want to go to a, a New York Giants, I mean, a San Francisco Giants game and an Oakland A's game. I want to see redwood trees. And we did all that a couple of summers ago. And it was wonderful. And we, we lost all of our pictures, you know, because we're all retarded. Whatever videos, we something happened, we lost them all. <laughs> All of that's kind of gone and over with. But this good part that Mary chose by sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing His word is not going to be taken from her. That's imparted into her very life, into her heart, into her spirit. Those are things the body gets old and breaks down and decays but the things that God has sown into our lives through our relationship with Him and our intimacy with Him are not going to be taken from us. One of the commentaries I was reading, and I, I love this quote, it says, Our Lord prizes our affection above our service. He prizes our affection, or that time spent with Him, over our service. And it all flows from that, y'all. I know this is such a basic, simple message this morning, but uh, this is what, what God gave to be If you want to just come start playing. And y'all, I know i said it, and I'll probably repeat myself, but even with the, the physically, like the, the confines we're in right now, we still want to strive to have an altar. And God's going to help us to do that. We can get beyond a few little things feeling a little weird. There's little pillows that you put around. And cushions if you want to kneel on them. Or kneel around at your chair. And, you know, over your chair. Whatever it may be, if you want to get up and walk around. But we're going to just take this time with the Lord. And ask God to show us about our own intimacy with Him. Is it, is it lacking? Is it, has it suffered? Has, it, uh, has He drawn us into something deeper than that? And I just have a scripture. The altars are open. You go in and pray. If you want prayer and would like me to pray with you about something, then you can come right up here. But uh, as you're praying, just listen. Colossians, we know this, the, the passage in chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, that means if you're born again. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. Okay, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your, he says, where, where set your affections on things where where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God, and it means to establish our hearts, to establish our lives and set our very hearts and minds upon the Lord. Seek those things that are above. And if we'll do that, if we'll seek the Lord with all of our heart, He's going to give us wisdom. We need it, don't we? He's going to give us direction. He's going to give us guidance. He's going to give us a vision. The Lord needs to impart into your soul a vision that He has for your life and ministry. It's going to come from God. It's not going to come from a good Christian book you read. I thank God for good Christian books. But God's going to impart a vision for your life. And for your family. And for your ministry. And for this church. And whatever it may be. He's going to do that. It's going to come from you. Your walk with God. You sitting at the feet of Jesus. And hearing his word. So Father we just come before you this morning God. And Lord we do that. God we turn to you Father. I thank you for these wonderful people, God, that know you and they want to know you more. God, we all do. And they're turned around. They're kneeling before you, God. And we're kneeling before you because we we believe what we've heard. We agree with what we've heard, God. We want to be Mary and not Martha. And God, too much of my life and too much of my time even still to this day is a Martha. i got a calendar with a to-do list of things I have to do. Lord, they're all Christian. They're all good things, God. But Lord, let that never take away from my intimacy with you my time, not just a little time, but quality time spent with you, Lord, to sit at your feet and to hear your word. And then, Lord, would you do that? Give us peace, God, as our mind is stayed on you. You'll keep us in perfect peace. I pray for peace for your people. I pray for peace for those here this morning. They might be worried about their Christian friend or family member, God, they're concerned about being deceived, or they're concerned about Something in their lives, God. Would you give them your peace, Father? God, whatever it may be, Lord, you have to impart that to us. You have to impart what we need. It has to come from you, God. And there's not a substitute for it. That's the way you have designed for it to be, God. Return to you, Father. We're calling upon you, God. Stir us up from the youngest person here to the oldest, God. This is not a message just for adults, God. This is for the little children that are here in God. They would learn early in their lives what it is to walk with God personally. And that's the most valuable, precious thing that we could ever have, Lord, is our walk with Jesus.